Hello, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness podcast. This is a podcast for people who want to have more great conversations in your life. You want to connect, you want to speak authentically, and you want to listen deeply. This is how to do it, and it's the real deal. So why should you listen to the Language of Mindfulness? Because in every episode, I'm going to give you tips and guidance I've learned in my pretty extensive career of coaching and practice from the best and brightest in the field of interpersonal communications, public speaking, meditation, group leadership, and somatic psychology. And we're going to have interviews with some amazing people about their groundbreaking work. It's my goal to give actionable and uncommon tips and advice in every episode that you can implement right away. So subscribe or follow now on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. And if you don't listen, you're going to miss some great stuff that you just won't hear anywhere else. I'm your host, Brett Hill, and welcome to the Language of Mindfulness. So today I'd like to welcome to the show Kristen Maneri, who's a writer, a mindfulness teacher, a life coach, and the host of the 60 Mindful Minutes podcast. She's the author of Better Daily Mindfulness Habits, Simple Changes with Lifelong Impact, as well as the creator of two, count them, two mindfulness journals and a workbook focused on cultivating daily centering practice. Kristen's work aims to help others live a more conscious, connected, and intentional life. And so it's no wonder that she's our guest today on the Language of Mindfulness podcast. Welcome to the show, Kristen. Thank you. It's so good to be here. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, I wanted to talk a little bit about how you got focused on helping people learn to be more mindful. I looked at your journals and uh, I love the idea of, uh, you know, helping people get very practical about how to be intentional and the day-to-day efforting that it takes to actually, you know, make a difference in our neurology. And I relate to it kind of neurologically and, you know, having those kinds of resources in our lives really helps. So uh, how did you come to realize that these are the kinds of things that are really going to help people? Hmm. Well, I think I started on the journey of just, maybe self-help or self-development. About 20 years ago, I I ended up working for a motivational speaker. Um, And I'm, and I say I ended up because my life was just, it just, I just ended up. I ended up in relationships. I ended up in jobs. I ended up in places. Just kind of wound up, just discovered yourself in some situation or scenario. Totally. Like no intention. (laughs) Use that word before. Like just really just, didn't even know that you could be intentional mm-hmm. about your life. And so I met Richard and his wife, Sue, and that really was a fork in the road for me in terms of I just started to really gobble that stuff up, really starting to think about what were my values, what mattered to me, how did I want to live, what what did I want to create? But I didn't really start getting, well, there's that word again, intentional about it until probably probably the summer of 2017. Mm. And I had two kids at the time. I think they were like six and nine or something like that. And life was just busy. It was just busy. And everything sort of felt off the cuff, off the hip, you know, just just kind of getting through the days. And I remember waking up one morning and just kind of shooting up in my bed and saying in my own mind, I'm, I'm wasting my life. Mm. 
like it just hit me like a ton of bricks that I just wasn't taking advantage of the opportunity of the gift of being intentional. And so from that moment on, I just started getting up earlier and earlier before the sun, before my kids, often before my husband to just sit with myself. Mm. And at first that looked just like journaling. And then I tried starting to meditate on a regular basis. And sometimes it was just reading, but I, I started to carve out this time Mm. to just be with myself and to do you know, what most people call the work, you know, <laughs> the, the, the inquiry, the reflection, mm. the questioning, the, the, the real asking the questions like, is my life aligned? Am I, am I, is this working for me? And, and that was a big game changer for me, that, that practice. And so I think that from that experience, I started to be just really curious mm. about how we could create ritual and habit and, and routine even around our our awareness practices, our mindful life, our developing self. Uh, and so, yeah, that's what's really put me on this path of helping people come at it in kind of a pragmatic way. You know, we all want to be more mindful, um, but we forget. Mm. <laughs> so how do we remember? And and for me, it's, it's, it's in the habits. Mm. Wow. So you just, you just, literally woke up one morning and said i'm i need to get focused yeah. yeah wow that's really quite an epiphany so during that period did you have any particular influences or guides or what what was your guiding or were there any like i mean i can imagine just kind of like hanging out with yourself and just really a, a process of being with your own experience and letting that be your true north or, and then also I can imagine taking in inspiration and guidance from other sources and kind of mixing all that up and letting that kind of help shape you into the life that you wanted to have. Was that, so what, how did that unfold? Mm, that's such a great question because I think what you're pointing to is that we all metabolize our journey differently. Mm-hmm. And I like the word metabolize, but I, I just think process is probably another word. And for some people, it's just going and getting very alone and very quiet and just looking in, and it's all in there already. Um, and for some people, they might look and look and look, and it's like, that it's not here. Mm. <laughs> like, I'm not finding anything. And, and then there's... And then there's some that are like a mix. And so for me, I really do draw on the inspirations of others. I do, I'm such a reader and partly because I just enjoy just snuggling up and reading a book. It's Mm. just a beautiful way to spend time. But I really appreciate words and Mm. I really appreciate when someone writes a book about mindfulness. And as you well know, Brett, there's probably 10,000 of them at this point. Um, But, but there's a way they say it you know there's a poetry to it or there's a story they told Mm -hmm. or an experience that they had and and I really resonate with that and so I'm definitely in terms of like a spiritual seeker I do look a lot out there I read a lot I go to courses I go to retreats I take online workshops but I also check it against something inside of me yes you know there's like a little 
uh, we had said before we started recording, like the energy of mm-hmm. it, like, mm, like, am I feeling this? Mm-hmm. Like, is this truth for mm-hmm. me? And so I, I'm kind of looking for alignment, mm-hmm. really. Uh, rarely do I read something where I'm like, whoa, <laughs> that is a brand new thought yeah. I've never heard before. A, because I read a lot, and B, because mindfulness philosophy is very simple. <laughs> it, it's not... It's not rocket science. And all we have to do is find it said the right way. And then it kind of looks like a lock finally turning in the key. Mm. You're like, oh, now I get mm. what I've heard already a hundred times, but in a hundred different ways. And now I can hear yeah. it. Now it's like, oh, it gets me. That's, that's really great. I, I, I um, you know, I kind of feel in you this center what i call a center which i can feel in some people and it's really um um nice to hear you say that you take in a lot of inspiration and reflections and you know and i just from a technical point of view i just call them inputs you know into your system and mm. um and you're not looking for those to create a center in you. You're using that as a reflection against your own experience. And that is so crucial Mm. because so many people are out there looking for something that they can just kind of grab and adopt. And, and that becomes the replacement, if you will, for what they feel like might be missing. And there, there can be a time for that in, in, in development. Um, I think, traditionally like in uh, some eastern philosophies they you might encounter schools of uh spiritual training where there's like a guru for example and you you surrender you know your devotion to the guru and in a way the intention i think because of my own experience in that world is for you to uh, because they have something that you don't and so in theory you basically adopt a, that center out there as your own. And then if they're a mature teacher, they back out and it becomes your own. So it's like starting a fire, right? It's like it lights up in you and now it's yours. Mm. But, and so I'm not, some people that's necessary. And there's a, there's a definite period of, it's all about the other. It's all about the other. And then it becomes, Oh wait, there's something about me in here and now it's all about me in relationship to the world and that whole transformation mm. of becoming a whole human being. Anyway, I kind of went mm. on my own riff and you're the guest here. So sorry about that. No, that was beautiful. <laughs> it's, it's just amazing to be in these kind of conversations because we, I feel like spiritual work, growth work needs to be done in, community Mm -hmm. because we we reflect back to each other we affirm each other we say you know oh yeah me too or yeah not me my mind's like this I, Mm -hmm. I have so many relationships in my life that that is the foundation of of why we keep coming back to each other you know friendships where where we affirm each other, we hold space for each other. It's just, yeah, so it was beautiful. I really enjoyed hearing <laughs> you reflect back some of the things that I said, and I really got, I really learned something well, there. That was really cool. You. The, um, I and I and the word you used is, is relational, and it's, and it's like so important, and that's a key part of my work. And I think mindfulness in general, and one of the things I think is missing a lot 
as a focus is the relational mindful work. And that's why I call myself a communications, mindful communications coach, because I feel like people actually land in their own authority, their what I call authentic embodied authority, when in relationship, you know, mm. and, and, it, and there is something to be said about, you know, going to the top of the mountain, doing retreats and all of that. But really, it's about the relational work is where things really get big and expansive and fun, I think. So, um, yeah, and revealing. Yeah, I, I think that <laughs> when I hear about, you know, people who decide to go and have a silent retreat for, you know, whatever days, weeks, months, years, I get that. Like, I get what they're trying to do is connect with something that we just can't connect with in our very busy, yeah. noisy, distracted world. But I also have the thought, yeah, well, try being that peaceful in car line, right? Exactly. Or, um, you know, at a grocery store when two people are arguing about masks <laughs> or stuck in traffic when you're, when you're already late. Like, we, we have to take our, our spiritual advancement and then bring it back to the everyday living of our lives. And I think one of the most, if not the most, challenging place for us as human beings in terms of seeing our stuff, you know, our buttons, our triggers, our just ways that we get just gnarly, mm -hmm. you know, selfish, entitled, you know, just wanting to be respected and want, wanting to be heard is in relationships. Yep. It's in it's in a conversation with, with an, any other person. It doesn't matter if you're married to them or you'll never see them again how you are with them and how you are with how they are with you is such an amazing teacher. Yeah. Yes. A million times. Yes. Um, you, part of your work has been around the notion of centering and um, I'd mm. like to hear what, how that has become, um, you know, a centered piece, if you pardon the pun on that mm -hmm. uh, as a, as a part of your work, because that's an important part of, my focus as well and I'd, and I'd love to hear your take on that mm. yeah I guess it, it it really stemmed from the the realization and it, this isn't again this isn't rocket science but that I I can't access the parts of me that are discerning kind compassionate thoughtful the, you know, the, the, the parts of me that I'm trying to cultivate through mindfulness, where I actually hear myself, my wise self, my higher self, I can't actually access any of that if I'm in a state of, you know, flurry or agitation or worry or anxiety or, you know, even, even excited anticipation. But when I'm in disruption... Um, whatever emotion that is, whatever thought pattern that is, I'm distracted from my wiser, intuitive, higher self. So for me, centering is all about how do I find my sort of seat of consciousness to borrow from mm. Michael Singer? How do I find that, uh, what he calls witness consciousness, where I can come back and stop being in it you know, it's a difference between like getting thrown around in the waves and, and surfing 
above mm-hmm. them. And, and for me, the answer has been centering. So that look could look like a formal centering practice in the morning where I spend you know, 30, 40 minutes by myself just really getting, turning inwards. And so what? Checking so in. what is that? Is it is it a breath? Is it a technique? Is it a location in your mm. body? Oh or yeah, that's great. I've been doing it for so long. I just sort of think everybody knows what I'm talking <laughs> about. Um, I do about an eight to ten minute meditation, uh, which could look sometimes like me just watching myself think. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it looks like a stillness. Um, sometimes it looks like counting breaths. I don't have a like a set, like this is how I always mm-hmm. do it. I don't, I'm not drawn to that. I, I think it's fine if people do find something that helps them meditate every day, but I don't, I'm not trying to eliminate thought. So I don't have a thing about needing to have a certain sort of protocol. So I do that and then I'll, I'll journal for 10 or 15 minutes. And then I usually keep a stack of spiritual books next to me that with short chapters. So I'll just read a a chapter or two, like a thought, a little insight that the author is bringing forth. And, and then that's it. It's just mm. a, it's a tuning in. It's a getting still. It's a tuning in. And then it's like a sprinkling a little thought or inspiration from somebody else to sort of and, and, put that in the sponge. And so through that process, you've, you, at the, at the, you know, when you get done with it, you're, you're more centered. You have a feeling of like, ah, oh, now I'm with myself. Or at least more so. Yeah, and and the, the word centered, I think what we really want to pull out of that is center. Mm-hmm. That we have these poles of, you know, maybe just agitation, um, you know, could be heaviness, you know, wherever we sort of, our spectrum of where we are emotionally, energetically, our thought patterns there's there's oops, there's um there's a there's a polarization there and to me my center it doesn't have to be in the exact center mm-hmm. but my center is kind of like the middle ground of mm-hmm. that it's where i'm not being pulled in any particular emotional or, or psychological direction i'm just steady mm-hmm. you know no different than if i was trying to walk a beam i would have to find my center of that beam so that I didn't fall Mm -hmm. off because if I got too far to one side or the other that that would be it I would I would fall Mm -hmm. over so it's it's I think it's helpful to just think of it really practically like it is a center where we find our balance point so that we're not falling off emotionally psychologically either either side okay that's that's really useful and I like the the balance beam approach because you know if you put somebody on a balance beam they're not thinking about their taxes or their they need to fix their car. You know, you're on the balance. You're focused on, I need to be in the moment with this experience or I'm going to fall off. So I really enjoy those kinds of um, metaphors because they make things real in terms of the somatic experience of being like mm. balanced. Um, yeah. Another one that's been really working well with some of my clients lately is this idea that we can walk really closely to the edge of our cliff. And the edge of our cliff could be anger, it could be anxiety, it could be panic, it could be sadness. But, you know, whatever it is that we know when we get a little too close, we are apt to fall over. And so 
part of having a centering practice or any sort of mindfulness practice is we start to create some space between ourselves and the and the edge of that cliff so we're not right there because mm-hmm. if as we know if, if we were to walk right literally on the edge of a cliff we could get pushed over we could the wind could push us we could lose our footing and trip over but if you've got a, a foot or you know a couple meters between you and there um it's not as there the, the the risk is not as high mm-hmm. The consequence is not as high. I've I've put something between me and that that risk of losing myself, and that could look like a breathing practice. It could look like getting enough sleep. You know, one of my clients, he he knows that when he doesn't get enough sleep, he walks very close to the mm-hmm. cliff. He can lose his temper. He can fire back at someone really quickly, and so. We talk a lot about, well, right, how do we how do we pull you back from the cliff? Let's not get over caffeinated today. Mm-hmm. It's gonna push you closer to the cliff. How can you go and get some fresh mm-hmm. air? Like how can we energize in other ways after you've not had a good night's mm-hmm. sleep? Right? When we when we start to see like, oh wait, my falling off the cliff isn't something that just happened to me. I actually participated in creating the conditions <laughs> that put me so close to right. the cliff. You know, I, I was over-caffeinated. I skipped lunch. I haven't had a break, you know, in, te- in 10 days. I didn't give myself time to rest this weekend. Like, whatever it is, we start to see that resilience isn't something that you and I just, you know, got as, you know, here's your amount of resilience <laughs> and here's mine and you just happen to get more. It's like, no, 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 no. We... We create the conditions so that we don't walk so close to the cliff, so that we can have a little more space between what happened to me and how I responded to it. And we have an incredible amount of agency when it comes to creating those gaps between the the stimulus and the response. It's it's amazing. Yeah, and I think also a part of that power, since we're talking about agency, is is um, realizing that the cliff and all the ramifications of it, most of that is also self-generated. It's it's mm. also just mm. memories of of wounds that have happened in the past or fears about things that are going to happen in the future. And, you know, it's all basically like projections of your own woundedness and feeling like if you, you know, something touches a, a wounded spot, oh, I'm going to get all out of control. And kind of going, no, and being mindful, you just go, oh, I can tell that's that hurt. <laughs> or mm. I'm upset. And that's the cliff, right? Taking a breath, finding a center and doing all the things that you did in the morning all over again. <laughs> so that's what yeah. Can... <laughs> all, yeah. Sometimes many times. In a day, you know, many versions of that, for sure. Yeah. And so yeah. what would you say to people who are interested in, you know, developing more of this agency? Like, what, what would you say, like, the best way to help people get started? But more importantly, I think, persevere with actually making some progress. I know a lot of people start kind of a mindfulness practice, and then they go, well, this is too scary, or I just, they just don't go on with it. And I think this might be... Mm sort of your superpower in a way is helping people understand that. (laughs) Well, I have been on a path to understanding how to meet 
people wherever they are. Because I, I, I am someone who can adopt structure and find systems pretty easily. And it, and it's just, you know, like I'm also right-handed and I also have hazel eyes. Like it's just, it's just how the way I you're start. wired, right? Well, yeah. well, yes, it is. Um, but I can, I can see that out in the world that what, what often gets in the way of starting a practice, whether it's a mindfulness or has related to food or exercise is that we always just start way too big. And so last year when we were all in, um, you know, this new world began for us, uh, with the pandemic, I came across the book, tiny habits by BJ Fogg. And so I actually ended up doing his coaching certification program because I thought, wow, this is something, Mm. this actually is a beautiful panacea for just graveyards of, of failure mm. for that people think I can't do mm. X. I've never been able to commit to X. And what I learned from his book is that, you know, it's in the title, right? It's tiny habits. We, we're always starting things way too big. Like a 10 minute meditation every morning is way, way too big. If you've never had a morning mm-hmm. practice like that. So, and I really subscribe to this idea that like find the tiniest thing that puts you on that path doesn't necessarily create the outcome yet that you want, but it actually starts to at least, at least put you in that mm-hmm. lane and find the easiest way to do it in the very least amount of time and attempt to do that with consistency. So this could look like having a sticky note in your car on the dashboard that says breathe. And every single time you get in your car, you just take a beat before you turn the key in the ignition. And to just have a moment of homecoming, you know, hand on heart, Mm. just, just come back to yourself for five seconds. And, you know, if you're someone who goes in and out of your car a lot, like the compound interest of that is it's going to make it's going to make a difference. Maybe it's reaching for your coffee maker or kettle. Maybe you're someone who makes a lot of tea during the day, like my sister-in-law. Like that would be where I would put her breathe or stop mm. or check mm. in. You know, whatever phrase kind of resonates. But we don't have to start something new. We can actually just adhere a new way of doing something to something we're already doing. If we're, you're already starting your car, just take a beat and breathe. You're already reaching for your coffee mug. Just take a minute to breathe. You're already peeing. You know, that's another one. People don't like to talk about that one because it seems kind of gross. But <laughs> most of us are doing that. Most people you know, that I know. A bunch of times <laughs> a day. So, you know, use that as a, a, a quick minute, a quick second to just check in with yourself rather than saying, oh, I have to start this whole new routine. Or, and then once you start to feel like, oh, that feels good, mm-hmm. I, I want more of that, then look and see, okay, how can I grow that particular practice? Or maybe I can add it again somewhere else. Or, you know, it, it just, just start so small, mm-hmm. like almost like insanely, ridiculously small and, um, and just build on that, mm-hmm. get, get some momentum. Yeah, that's a great idea to get started. So once once you get going, and what are the kinds of things that pe- that happen to people once they get started that could potentially cause them to go, you know, this isn't working, or this makes me uncomfortable? Mm. What, are, are there those kinds of things happen, or do people just plow right through? 
Well, I think two things. I think the feeling that uh, you know I'm not doing it mm-hmm. right. And what I'll say to that is doing it is right. It, it's, there's no right way to do it. It's just doing it. And by it, I mean creating little portals of awareness, mm. like little stops where you're just like, ah, I'm going to be aware. So I think that's the first thing is this idea like there, there's a way to do it mm-hmm. right. Um, and I, so we, we're definitely going after quality and like, don't do that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Just keep, you know, make it till you make it kind of, kind of a philosophy. I think also quantity, like if, if I'm not doing it this many minutes or if I'm not doing it, um, you know, this many times, then somehow that doesn't count. And so I, I, I'd say again to that, it still counts. Mm-hmm. Five seconds counts. But I think the other part is that we think that once we've had one moment of awareness, you know, we've all had that experience of maybe coming home from um, a yoga retreat or read a really great book that really like something really clicked mm-hmm. for us. Like, oh, I get it now. And then like a day later or a week later, a month later, we do that thing again. <laughs> you know, we snark back at someone or we procrastinate or we sleep in or like whatever it is that we said, oh, I'm fixed now <laughs> right. because of I'm that done book with that or that retreat. Right. And I'm never going to be that person again. It's like, of course, if we had the mentality that we're never going to slip back, then every time we did, we would blame either ourselves or the practice. Like either, I, I guess I'm just not a mindful mm. person or I guess that just wasn't the right book or system or whatever it is. And I... What I say to that is, I'll borrow from Tara, Tara Brock, and she says that, that this work is a dance of remembering and forgetting. We're, we're always yes. going to slip back into our mammalian survival self, right? It, we're always going to have our old tendencies. They're, we're not outrunning anybody. It's just learning to transcend. And so when we have those moments and, and we catch it and think, oh man, I did it. Shoot, I promised myself I wouldn't do that. First, celebrate that now you notice mm-hmm. that you did the thing and you know better. And when we know better, we do better. And so I think people on the spiritual path start to really beat themselves up because they think once they know better, they'll always do better. And, and we just won't. Mm-hmm. We just won't. And I think the self-compassion piece alongside of the self-growth is really critical because we can grow, but we also have to be warm and tender with ourselves when we still mess up, which we inevitably mm. will do all the time. Hmm. Well, yeah. So, uh, people feeling like they're not doing it right. And then just, and then taking on too much, um, such, that's such great advice. And just uh, as someone, uh, there's a phrase I use sometimes that frequency is more important than duration, uh, to kind of put mm. it in engineering terms, you know, it's kind of like, <laughs> you know, constantly doing little things is more important than doing two or three big things. Right. Um, because yeah. really we're talking about neurological training. We're talking about training the brain to have a neurological capacity to do this remembering because it is so right. Mm. You're so right. It's like, you're gonna, it's, it's going to be remembering and forgetting, remembering and forgetting. And, and I really love what you said about celebrating the fact that now you notice that that's happening because that noticing is uh, such a win. Because then mm-hmm. 
it, it counts. counts because now you're witnessing your own experience and that's yeah. a mindful moment and it's and it's one that people take for granted a lot so it's yeah so yeah. what do you okay go ahead oh <laughs> i was gonna say um we've unfortunately given um a gold star to having awareness in the moment mm. and only a silver star if you have it in reflection mm. and i really call bs on that because i actually think that a it all counts and i also think that when we catch ourselves in reflection so maybe i'm thinking back to something i said the day before and i'm thinking oh man why didn't i you know why did i say mm. that that was I didn't mean to, like, oh, what was I thinking? Well, in that reflection, I actually have time to be thorough. You know, I can actually really think it through. Why did I say that? And maybe I need to circle back around and clean up a mess that I made. And so I, I really do. I want, I want people that I, I work with, anybody who's out there listening, is to, is to really value that reflective awareness because it really counts and it really matters and we really grow from it so do I wish that I always caught myself right before and went oh not gonna say that yeah for sure I I'd, I'd rather not make a mess than have to go clean it up afterwards but there is growth in having to clean up a mess or in in having to reflect back on myself and wish that I had done something differently and maybe drawing upon some self-compassion to get through that that moment. So it's all gold stars, yeah, <laughs> according to I me. Yeah, I really like that. That's uh, so important. And, and to approach that reflection from a mindful way so that you can realize, you know, oh, I'm having remorse and guilt about what I did. So I'm noticing that, I feel like I didn't do that right. And you know what? It probably could have been more skillful. And and then reflecting on on what would I have been what might how might this conversation have gone had I been more present? Or was it a mm. lack of presence or was I you know what what happened there that I didn't do mm. what I feel like it didn't go the way I feel like now I wish it had. And just kind of holding mm. all that in the ether so to speak and letting yourself feel how that resonates with you and uh and then in this case the falling off the cliff could be i'm not going to shame myself about what i did wrong or how it didn't go well like i don't want to buy into oh you never get this right on that story right because mm. that that yeah. can resonate as well so that's another thing that, oh i have to be careful not to fall into that so it's really super valuable skill to be able to develop this mindful reflection capability so yes big yes to that yay i'm excited about that um so what are you up to these days what's uh what's your practice and your work leading you what are you looking forward to uh, um you know new vistas new areas new new horizons for you and your work well um I have started doing weekly workshops and they're every Wednesday and sometimes they won't be every Wednesday. Sometimes I'll have something up, so I'll come up or something will come up, um, but it's most Wednesdays and I, I pick a topic and I, we workshop it. So we, yesterday, for example, we, we looked at what's taking up space, mm. you know, what, what's in your physical world, what, what unfinished projects, what regrets, what goals that just sort of got abandoned, what conflict that's living unresolved. So we, we did an hour long workshop about really discovering what's taking up 
energy and psychological? What's what's sort of weighing on you and how do we move that? And this is an online workshop uh, that people can just drop. Yeah, yeah. People can sign up. They're free. So they can just go to my website. They can click on blog. They'll see what the latest workshop is and how to register. So those are free. And then in the, um, in the new year, I'll be launching some Thrive Groups, which is just people coming together to grow together, to be seen, to mm. share, to just be very intentional about going through a space of time of like, I'm going to, I'm going to do some real growth work for a couple of months. And just kind of a little community um, of folk to kind of support the, mutually support each other through this intensity. Totally. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Doing what we've been doing, like that reflecting back to each other and here's how, here's how I see it mm. or here's how I interpreted it. So yeah, and I'll be launching um, some book clubs coming up in the next couple of months in terms of just study groups, picking a book and doing a deep dive mm, into it. Really and then, fun. of course, I still I have a I have um, I'm pretty much at capacity for my one on one coaching, but it's always good to just reach out and 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 see when a spot opens up. So, yeah, and then my podcast, I just love it. I said to you offline, it's like one of my just joys in life is just. And what's the name of your podcast? Sixty mindful 60 minutes. Sixty mindful we, minutes. We, yeah, we said that in the intro. Yep. So, yes, definitely, yeah. people should check all this fabulous stuff out. Um, the workshops, the book, the journals. Right? You have some journals. Yeah. You have so much good stuff going on, and really appreciate the work that you're doing and the intentionality that you're bringing into focus with people. So, so thank you for taking time to have a conversation with us today. I really appreciate it. Me too. I really, really enjoyed mm -hmm. this. Just highlight of my day. Thank mm, you. Blessings to you. You too. So that's a wrap on today's edition of the Language of Mindfulness podcast. We hope you've enjoyed it. If so, please leave us a review on iTunes and follow along on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. We really appreciate it. And check us out at languageofmindfulness.com where you can sign up for a free coaching session. And because we get so many questions on this, you can access how to start a mindfulness meditation practice at languageofmindfulness.com forward slash now. Thanks a ton, and we're looking forward to a lot of great new content coming up as well. Have a great one, and stay present. Thanks.